continue our time together, our series of songs, I should say. Uh, thank you, Tom. That was great. If you weren't here, if you came in a little later, Tom was explaining to us a great opportunity that we have to help poor, to help the people who are not just poor, I mean, who are in desperate need, desperate need of water, desperate need of food, desperate need of the gospel. And this organization is bringing all three to these areas of Kenya. I couldn't help but think, Tom, as you spoke and you talked about how uh, our little bit will help drill a well, that many that our teens could build a well. Our teenagers we say, oh, we don't have any money. Our college students who don't have any money. <laughs> I was a college student without money. But you have two, three, four, five dollars. And I, this is not to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just trying to let you know. That if the college students want to say, we want to build a well for these people, the teens, you could do it. And that's not even counting what the adults can do. Um, my understanding of this organization, Tom, is that the vast majority of the money that is collected goes straight to that help, that need of help. Uh, many organizations, there's administrative costs. Uh, you go in there, you give money. Uh, it costs, you know, 50 cents of your dollar goes to help run the organization. I don't know the exact figure, but I think it's like 98, 99 percent way up there. The, the, what? 90. OK, well, that's up there. 90 percent of the money. It costs money to run something. I mean, that video didn't come out of the sky. It costs money to put a video together. And so 90 percent, 90 cents of your dollar goes to uh, drill that well. So I want to encourage us as we leave. Uh, to do what we can, uh, do more than what we can, as uh, and help these uh, people who are in desperate need. <clears throat> I want to tell you a story. This is a true, true story. It's my story of Saturday, yesterday. Now, I want to begin by saying that I don't like to tell stories about myself. This is not the Alan Wright show. I, I, I and I, I try. I consciously try over the years to focus my my message on God's word, because that's what you've come to hear, hopefully, and not my day. But it's going to segue into the lesson. It's going to apply to the lesson and it's going to explain something of the, of the lesson, too. Uh, I thought as I thought of that, I thought, you know me better than I know you in some ways. I mean, there's a lot of people here and I just don't have the time to sit down and have lunch with all of you. And over the years, I've had lunch with many of you and spent time with many, had many of you in my home, vice versa. But every Sunday you hear me and over the time, years, I've shared, you know, some illustrations of my life and some things that have gone on that that hopefully have illustrated what God is saying in, in here. And so, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, me better than I know you. And so I that's I am I, I'm sensitive to talking about myself and talk, I don't like to tell stories, but I'm compelled but because of my day yesterday. Normally, I don't, I mean, I don't have a day off. I'm not saying that so you'll feel sorry for me. It's the nature of ministry. That's the way life is. If you want to get into the paid full-time ministry, whatever we call this, uh, there's really not a day off. Even if I had said, okay, Friday is my day off. Uh, I would take your phone calls. I wouldn't have a voice and I'll say, sorry, it's my day off. You cannot. 
refer your problem to someone else. <laughs> you know, I, I still would study my Bible. I still work on lessons, um, all these things. So I, I'm not I, I don't I'm not asking for a day off on my vacations. I like a lot of you. I take work with me. I spend an hour here and there. Which, by the way, this is not part of what I wanted to share with you, but tomorrow Julie and I are flying to Oregon to go visit our daughter and granddaughter, grandsons, and son-in-law. <laughs> we'll be gone a week. That's your... It's hot in Oregon? Wow. We were told to bring a beanie and a coat and everything. Uh, it's been really hot, yeah. So, But I hear, think we're going up to the mountains, too, so, you know... We'll, there's always a Walmart. That's what I told you. We can always we can always buy something there. But yesterday came the closest to a day off that I've had in a long time. Uh, and it was just marvelous, marvelous day. Early in the week, Matthew asked me, my son Matthew asked me, can you go with me to uh, Hazel Green? There's a, a lumber mill up there. I'm looking for some lumber uh, for a particular project that he's building. Of course, this is a secret. It has to do with their daughter that's uh, due. Um, Colleen knows nothing about this. <laughs> except that she has three little boys who kind of let no, things go. So I'm not going to go into great detail. She's now in on the secret. So I, I worked hard. I worked late Friday night and got my lesson all finished. Except for my PowerPoint, which you don't see right now. There's a reason. Got all ready early, uh, fairly early for a Saturday, 830. I met Matthew, got left the house, met Matthew at the coffee shop, got some coffee, and we drove up to Hazel Green. Man, that was just glorious. Beautiful day. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know what you were doing, but the, it, to me, it wasn't hot. It wasn't humid. I mean, it was summer. It's August, but it's not hot, not humid. Uh, beautiful day. The hills up there, just Beautiful. Driving my son, who's now an adult, I feel like he's a peer now, talking with him. He's like, uh-uh, I'm just a little kid. In some ways, sometimes he still is. But, you know, he's an adult son. A year ago, made, this made it even more special, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, he had cancer surgery. Had a kidney removed, 24th of this month, a year ago. And so I was just feeling blessed that here we were driving up there a year ago. His, his life was in danger. We didn't know what was going on. A uh, year later, um, all indications is there's no reoccurrence of the cancer. Um, they're keeping a close eye on him for about 10 years. You know, they have to do that. But everything looks good so far. And I can't remember what we talked about. I just remember just, it was just a wonderful conversation as, as we went up there and we're seeing the Pretty, pretty land up there. If you live up near the Hazel Green area, it's, it's, you're, you're blessed. <laughs> it's a gorgeous area. I like where I live, but <clears throat> that's even better. And I think we were dreaming about stuff. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had 400 acres here or whatever? You know, we're just talking. And we pull into this uh, lumber yard. And the, the experience just went up another notch. This, this lumberyard, a, a man owns this place, and he only, he only mills the finest lumber. This is grade A stuff at grade B prices. <laughs> Cheaper than Lowe's, all right? Worth the trip. And we walked in and said, hey, first time here. And he, he just showed us around. And we see the, the red oak and the coffee and the walnut and the pine and the maple 
And he goes over and he just he touches this big this big log and cuts you know, split. And he says, this is ambrosium uh, maple. And he said, let me tell you what this is right here. See these little holes? That's where that's where mite will dig in each year and, and lay its larva and and leave a fungus in there. And as it, as it leaves at the as it, whatever the whatever it turns into leaves that feeds on that fungus and it causes these beautiful stripes in the wood. Now, Matthew and I love wood. I love wood. And if you can't relate to this, go somewhere else for a second. But I love wood. (laughs) I love the grain. And I can't help but think when Jesus, as a carpenter, was planing the wood, he must have blown the dust off and, and looked at the grain and rubbed that grain and thought about how beautiful. I wonder what they rubbed in there. Maybe they put some oil in there to bring out the, the shine. And we're just walking in love. We're just, oh, we're falling in love with this place. And it just made the day more glorious. And looked, I looked outside and said, man, what, what this place would be at night. No lights out here. Just imagine the stars here. Walk over and we look at some red oak. And we decided, we took Matthew's little truck. We decided that we were going to take, buy a couple pieces of walnut and some, some red oak, I believe. But we only had room for short planks, and he said, you know, maybe we can come back in the afternoon in your truck, your bigger truck, and get the bigger pieces. And so we said, sure, and we uh, got those, and we left and uh, drove back and stopped at a, at a hole-in-the-wall pork sandwich place. Man, it was good. Didn't get iced tea, just got the sandwich. Enjoyed it, drove home. I said, the only thing is, we have to come back at 2.30 if we're going to come. And uh, my problem was, that we're going to get there close to 2, is I had a repairman coming to the house. Life. Yesterday, uh, the day before, Friday, Julia texted me, the air condition is blowing hot air. Now, I knew that was wrong. It's supposed to blow cold air. And so... I, I go in there. Sure enough, it was blowing hot air. So during our trip and everything, I'd gotten a repairman. He was supposed to come out. And he finally called me. He'd be there around 2 o'clock. And I said, you know, if you can come in at 2, tell him what the problem is. Maybe recharge the thing and be gone by 2.30. I'll go with you. Otherwise, you take my truck. The guy came at 5 after 2. I sat down. I got there a little bit early. I sat down and opened up my little laptop. And I was going over my lesson. This lesson. Not this story, but this lesson. And I know the story's long. I'm sorry. But it it fits. Um, I was going over the whole lesson and drove up and I just I I noticed both. I'm trying to transfer from one computer to another computer. It's complicated. But both computers need updating. So I said yes. And it was a very long update. So it's perfect. I'm going to be gone, hopefully, and while this is updating. Go out to the units with a technician. He hooked up stuff. He punched the little re- button here that where the electricity comes in. Relay. What is it called? It, where it snaps off. All right. Need to be re- recharged. What? Breaker. 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 All right. The breaker. Redid the breaker. And when he did that, the smoke came up out of the uh, condenser. And with his expertise, he looked at that. This. Well-trained man said, well, I ain't good. <laughs> and my lack of knowledge, I said, I don't think so either. <laughs> I 
And so I paid him $79 to tell me my condenser is blown up. That's okay. I went in and told Julia, I said, you know, it's like in, we're going to be like in Fiji again. We're leaving in the heat, no air conditioning. And she's like, oh, that's fine. That's the way it's going to be for a while. And so I called Matthew, hey, I can come. Well, Colleen wants to go and boys want to come. We'll go in two separate trucks. And so uh, we get there and all three boys wanted to ride with the big dog. That's me. And so they get in the truck and we're driving it there. I mean, what could be more glorious than three grand boys in the back seat and they're telling me stories? Jonah told me this marvelous story, dream they had about being up in the attic and had all these animals. He had a husky and a python and a rattler <laughs> and a teacup, a teacup chihuahua, right? Yeah. I mean, the story went on. The details of his dream was amazing. He told me a little joke that he had made up this morning. What do you call a lady flea? A flea male. <laughs> That's good. So we drive up there. We, we go. We know what wood we're getting. We pull out the wood. We put on this thing. The boys, they're pulling the cart. We pay for it. Uh, we get back. We drive back home. I drop the boys off. Got to go. Finally, I got to go. And we, uh, I go home. Two ribeye steaks are in the fridge. I wanted a, some steaks. I told Julie this last week, and two ribeye steaks, I put them on the grill. I'm not a good griller, but I cooked those perfect. <laughs> we ate the steaks. I went, and I said, you know, it's time for me to make my PowerPoint. Um, I'll have from 7 to 10, three hours, I can do that. Open up my laptop. And half my sermon was gone. I'm serious. I don't know if it was the update. I don't know if I saved it wrong. Half my sermon's gone. After this wonderful day, after all these glorious things, and hours of work have disappeared. I tried to find it. I went here, there, all over the place. I called up a technician, a computer guy I know, and he's like, he basically said, well... You can say domo de to it. He didn't say that. That's Fijian for goodbye. <laughs> Which is what he said. You can say goodbye to that. It's gone. Okay. But at that point, I have a choice. How am I going to act? How am I going to react? What am I going to do? Julia, you know, when I told her, she's like, Eek. you know, oh, you know, and yeah, you know, it's one of these things like, what's going to be your husband's reaction in this time of stress? At this point, am I going to take up the couch and throw it through the window? <laughs> what am I going to do? She said, and she's, she's the, the epitome of, of um, compassion, but she said, maybe someone was praying for a short sermon. <laughs> I said, good luck to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've taken 15 minutes on the story. So, but it comes in all these things. I wanted to share that long story. I'm, I'm sorry if it's too long. 
But it was a golden day. I mean, it was a golden day. It was a beautiful day. It, was, it wasn't just the thing. It was the relationships that were going on. All the things. And two stressors. I mean, several thousand dollar air conditioner that needs to be replaced now. You can get stressed over that, I guess. Hours of work in wherever it goes. Gone. What do you do? Because how you think affects how you live. How you think affects how you live. And your perception of what's true around you will determine how you live your life. Each moment. And I'm not talking about overall, okay? We, we, we give these big grand pronouncements to live a life this way and that way of God. And it's these big things. We go, oh, amen, wonderful. But I'm talking about the moment. The moment. How do you live your life in the moment? If I walk through my life, if I live through my life, that I believe that I'm a worthless sinner, that's how I'm going to live. I'm going to live as a worthless sinner. And I may not fall into some awful, deep, dark sin, but I will walk through my life feeling guilty and live, living a dark life. I will live in darkness because that's my worldview. That's what we talked about last time. Our worldview, how we look at life. On the other hand, if I think I'm a wonderful and a great person, I'll live my life that way, too. And my problem is trying to discover what is true. What's true? Because if I think I'm a wonderful person, but in reality, I'm a selfish ingrate. I'm only fooling myself and nobody around me. I think everyone around me is fooled, but no, I'm only fooling myself. Everyone else knows I'm not a great person. If I think I'm worthless, where... Quite the opposite is true, I, that God says I'm worthy, then I, again, I'll live out a life. And so a lie, it boils down to this, the same question that Pilate asked Jesus, well, what is truth? What's the truth? And this is a struggle that we've had all through the ages, the great thinkers of Pilate's day. He had studied the writings of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and all these people. And, and what they're looking for is what's true. What is true? You look out in this world and you, and you see some conflicting things like Tom was even sharing with us. You, you see someone that, that people who haven't had rain for eight years and you know that God is a gracious God. And so you say, well, why is this happening? He could cause it to rain. So you have, well, what's true? What's going on here? And we struggle with that. And our modern day philosophers, all the way up to this present day, they struggle with that same thing. What's true? What's reality? Our songwriters sing about it, what they think is true and what they're searching for truth. And for me, the answer is clear. It's crystal clear. And it's made, been made clear to me through a direct revelation from God. And I'm not talking about a dream and I, I'm not talking about a vision and I'm not, not talking about some mystic something in the sky. But I believe there was a man who lived among us who claimed that he was the truth. And he further stated in so many words that that was going to be confirmed in his death. After he died, he would be resurrected, never to, to die again. And that's exactly what happened. Every historical document we have leads to those truths. He claimed to be the truth, and I believe he was truth. 
And so that means to me that whatever he says about the reality of the world, whatever he says is going on here, I believe it's true because he said it's true. Even if my senses tell me something different, I know this is true. Because a man who rose from the dead who says this is true, it must be true. My feelings, my experiences pull me some ways. But the reality of who he is and what he said pulls me back into a stability. And here in this verse, chapter 5, verse 19, this is him speaking through the Apostle John, okay? And that's another subject why I believe that's true, but I believe that's true also. But in verse 19, which we looked at before, he says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the, of the evil one. There's two truths that he says, I want, you to get a re- I want you to have a reality check. I want you to approach life this way. I want you to look at the world this way. This is true. You are a child of God. That's the first fact. And I want you to live out that truth in your life. You're God's child. And another truth is that the world is in bed with the evil one. And so the question I ask at that point is, well, what do I do with that? What do I do with what I know? I know these facts. I know I'm God's child. I know I'm God's love. And I know the world is actively opposed to my position of who I am. And so how do I live my life? How do I relate to this world that is diametrically opposed to who I am? We go to two wrong extremes. We are people of extremes. Have you noticed that? We, we go from one extreme to the to the other. It's impossible. I, I'm convinced to live a life of perfect balance. We're like these pendulums that swing on the grandfather clock going back and forth. And we go to one extreme to the other. And just for one moment, we're balanced as we go past and we swing past and we're balanced just for a moment. And I think the key is maybe to get that pendulum swing to be shorter. So we're in the middle a little bit more than if we we're in these wide stream extremes. And so the first extreme is in an attempt that we need to avoid, by the way, is an attempt to influence the world. Some people try to become as much like the world as possible. All right. Now, I think some of you can relate to this if you listen, if you'll listen for a moment. And you quote Paul saying something like to the Jews, I became a Jew to the Greeks, I became Greek. So to this world, I'm going to become like the world so I can influence the world. I'll reach people in the nightclub by going to the nightclub. I'll sit down with them. I'll have a beer with them. I'll hang out. I'll show them Christians are cool. I'll show them that we're tolerant and, you know, that we're not judgmental. And we've gone to this extreme where we are participating in a lifestyle that's anti-God, anti-Christian. And in a short time, we compromise the gospel. We compromise our morality. We find a Christian immersed in the world, affected by the world, damaged by the world, and not affecting and influencing the world around them. It's an extreme. And I think it starts out with this attempt that I want to reach out and help people. But we go to this extreme that we're hurting ourselves. And the world's influencing us more than the world that we're influencing the world. The other extreme that we go to is we stay so far away from the world <clears throat> that we have no influence at all. And this often begins when we first become Christians. And I can relate to this. When you first become a Christian, you, you're, you've had some habitual sins, some things that are wrong. And you know you don't need to be anywhere near that stuff. 
whatever it is. I don't need to be anywhere near that relationship, that thing, that those those that group of people. I need to stay away from that because I'll get sucked right back into it. And so we stay away from it. We know there's certain people and temptations we, we can't be close to. And so we pull back and we remove ourselves so far that like Jesus was accused of eating with sinners, we're nowhere near them. We look, it, it looks like we're looking down on them. We're, we're monastic in our lifestyle. We're, we're pulling away. And so we have to find, well, how do we, how do we find the balance between those two where we're not so involved in the world that we're like the world, we become like the world, and yet we're not so far away from the world that we have no influence of, over the world at all? How do we do that? And I think it's found here. We need to do two things. Live as light and refuse to compromise. Live as light, refuse to compromise. I think you might have picked up by now that a theme of First John is light. Uh, you pick up a book on First John. Someone wrote something. It probably has either in the title or in the first few pages something about light because light is all through this. And so in First John, chapter one, verse five, it says God is like he says, here's the message. Here's the gospel message. John takes the gospel message and he pulls it into three words. And the gospel message begins Genesis chapter one, verse one, and ends all the way in Revelation, whatever, 20, whatever it is. All the way there. And he says, I want to tell you what that this book, this book here, everything in this book, I can say in three words. You can say it in one, but he said, I'm going to say it in three. God is light. God is light. Grasp that. Understand that. And, and you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And what's the first words God said? Let there be light. And we think of physical light. Of course, there's physical light. But that's spiritual light, too. Everything that light means. Let there be light. And then in chapter 1, verse 7 of 1 John, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, walk in the light. This is, a, this is what we do. And it's an appeal to continue to walk in the light. This is how we are to live our life. This is, as we walk in the light, what's the light? God is light. As we walk in God, as we walk in the character of God, then our sins are continually cleansed. We live in the character. We are called to live in the character of Jesus. How do I treat my friends who, who tempt me you know, too much? And how do, I, how do I find this balance? And the answer is simply live out the character of Jesus. Well, how do I do that? How do I live out the character of Jesus? It sounds uh, confusing. And we've we've talked about this for ten and a half, eleven. I don't know how long I've been here. It's continually I bring you, try and bring you and say, look, here's Jesus. This is what he did. Now you follow that. You follow him. That's how you live your life. Apply that to your life. That's how you live your life. That's walking in the light. Galatians, uh, Colossians chapter three. Verse 17 says this, and whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus isn't saying you walk around saying Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's not saying that. I've told you this many times. What does the name mean? Anyone remember? It's a question. What does the name, what does the name mean in the Bible? Character. I heard someone say it. A, you get an A. <laughs> Character is talking about the character of Jesus. Live out your life in the character of Jesus. What you do, practical living, how you talk, what you do, your dreams, your desires is light. 
is God's light living, shining through your light, life. You're living out his character in your life. It's not your character disappears, but your character is enhanced by his character. And Paul continues in this book of of Colossians where he, he, he says right at the beginning, chapter one, verse nine, he has a prayer. Notice his prayer. He says, we've not stopped praying you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. I want God to fill you with to, to know what his will is in all spiritual wisdom and understanding in your life. We're not talking about just answering the Bible questions right here. We're talking about how you respond when your hours of work has disappeared on your computer. How do you respond? What do you say? What do you think? That's what he's talking about. How you live your life. He said, I I want God to fill you with this so you'll know, you'll understand. And we pray this in order. Why? That your life will be worthy of the Lord. It will weigh the same as the Lord. That word worthy is weight. And you're going to please him in every way. Smoke coming up from a condenser. You know, you want to kick something maybe or you want to throw something or you want. What do you want to do? What do you what do you do when the smoke rises from the condenser? Some of you had some bad things happen to you yesterday. Not as bad as me, obviously. (laughs) No, I had a great day. You didn't have you didn't have as good a day as I did. If you did, you're you're doubly blessed. Oh, he says, live your life in equal balance of the Lord. You please men in in every way. You bear fruit in every good work. Whatever you do, you grow in the knowledge of God. You're strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. And then he said, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's where you live. That's where you're living right now. In the kingdom of light. How do you talk to your spouse? Usually your spouse, if you're married, is the first person you see in the morning. How do you talk to him, her? How do you treat her? How do you treat him? How do you respond to your parents if you're living at home? Living with your parents, they have chores for you to do of all things. They tell you what to do so many times. They they don't always act right, but they're your parents. So they're in the house. How do you treat them? How do you respond to them? You got roommates. Some of you have roommates. How do you how do you deal with your roommates? What do you what do you do with them? How do you talk to them? What do you think about? What do you just think about? Have you ever thought about what you think about? Drive down the road. Be aware. What am I thinking about? This is what we're talking. This is the application here. This is how you live this life. What do you think about? What you're thinking about is what you're going to be. It's how you're going to act. You drive down the road angry. You're an angry person. How do you treat people? How do you think? What do you think about? How do you use social media? How do you use this... Massive computer in my hand. Connected to the Internet. How do I use this? 
How do I speak on this? How do I encourage? How do I? What do I do? What do I do with this thing on on Facebook, on Instagram, on XYZ, whatever they are? Am I living as a child of light with that? Or am I, or am I living in darkness? Am I a complainer? Do, do I, I don't know, say inappropriate things verbally or on Facebook? Am I a person of influence? Am I letting God's light shine through me? My speech, my attitude, my actions. He says, you're, you're in the kingdom of light. Live that way. Who are you? You're God's beloved child. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. Verse 13 of Colossians. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, he's rescued us. You are captured. You are in the kingdom of Satan. And the Navy SEALs came in. The Rangers came in. The Green Berets came in. They rescued you, and it was God. He was the Green Beret. He was the Navy SEAL. You didn't get out of that on your own. You were captured. You were in darkness. You were, you were trapped. And you didn't say, oh, I can do this on my own, and you got out of darkness by yourself. That didn't happen. God rescued you. That's what happened. Now you're redeemed. You're forgiven. And we need to learn to live as people of light who are light, not theoretically, not theologically, not in this big sense. We've got to start there, of course. But in every, let me repeat that, every circumstance and situation, every circumstance and situation, every circumstance and situation. Should I say it again? <laughs> every circumstance. In situation, every moment of our lives. This is where we fail. This is where I fail. I can have the Bible study with you, and I'm really good at getting into the Greek and telling you what it says and telling you this and talking about the theology. But going back to my day yesterday, when the smoke rises from the condenser, every situation of your life live as light. Number two, refuse to compromise. I'm going to give you homework because I've gone too long. I told too long of a story. I want to tell you a beautiful story. And this is not my story. This is a story of Jehoshaphat. <clears throat> this is why my series continues to go long. And it had nothing to do with the singing or the I got up here in plenty of time. But, I, but I, I don't want to rush to this story. But I want, you to, I want you to see a story. It's in, it begins in Second Chronicles. It will do you good to read this. Second Chronicles chapter 17. Oh, it's going to take you 10 minutes to read this, by the way. 10, 15, maybe 15 max. Second Chronicles chapter uh, 17 through chapter 20. This is a story about a king named Jehoshaphat, who was one of the most godly kings of Israel but he compromised in key areas of his life. And the key areas of his life almost destroyed him physically. And it destroyed a lot of other things around him. And so what I want to do next time 
is share with you how we refuse to compromise. And, and what I mean by that, I want to tell you what I mean and leave you with this. A lot of times we think of someone who doesn't compromise as hard-nosed, mean-spirited. Don't we? I mean, I do. When I think, I, do, I will not compromise. It's hard-nosed, mean-spirited. But I'm talking about not compromising the way Jesus did. Jesus did. He's our, he's our example. He's the character we're following. He did not compromise, and people loved him. He did not compromise, and Pharisees still came to him. And they still asked him questions, and they tried to figure them out. And some had good motives, and I think some had bad motives. Many had bad motives. He did not compromise, and the sinners came to him. The street people came to him. The people in the gutter came to him. The worst of the worst came to him. And he didn't compromise, but they still loved him. And so our challenge is, again, this balance of how do we live as light, and yet at the same time we do not compromise, but we do it in such a way that we attract people to God and not repel them. So, I've been asked, how many more lessons till First John is over? Chapter 15... No, it's 15. There's only five chapters. Chapter 5, <laughs> verse 19. C will, be, will continue when I come back from Oregon. We'll, we'll look at how not to compromise. Then I've got chapter 5, verse 20. And you read it. It's short, but boy, it's full of good stuff. I promise you, I won't go more than three lessons on that. I think I'm going to do one, but I thought I was going to do one on this, too. And then chapter 5, verse 21, keep yourself from idols. Well, that should be short. No one worships idols here. We'll just read the verse and go on that day. No, that's, a mar- that's another marvelous one. Uh, thank you that you listened to my story. I was glad to share the good stuff. Glad to share the bad stuff. I'm not going to tell you how I acted. <clears throat> Someone here knows how I acted. <laughs> you can ask her if you want to. Nice music. <laughs> uh, but I want to encourage us. When I say live as light, I, I don't want. I don't want to be theory, theory here. I'm talking about when we stand and sing, and you walk out, you're going to talk to people. You're going to interact with people. That's light. When you leave the building, you drive, you go to lunch. When you walk past that giving box, that's going to be light. Time for light. How you treat the people around you. And none of us do it perfect. All right? We're perfect in Christ, but we don't do things perfectly. But we're learning, aren't we? That's that's our goal. Learn to live as light. Put that into practice very, very practical ways. In every situation, every circumstance, every relationship. Give an opportunity, if you're out of Christ, to come into Christ in this beautiful relationship that we have with Him. Saved, redeemed, justified, at one with Him, learning to live as Him. We're going to invite you to come in, put Him on in baptism, in faith. That's an act of faith. If you're a Christian and you need to talk with other people and repair relationships, help someone... Do that this week. Do this that this day.